Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. But Paul says it's not a sin to be married either. But live your life again for the glory of God. Live your life with the anticipation that God is going to use me whether I'm single or whether I'm married. But am I ready to be used? Am I prepared to be used? Is my heart in this way that, that I could hear him and I'm willing to go ahead and step out in faith in order that he would use me? In today's message, Pastor David explains Paul's teaching on marriage and singleness found in 1 Corinthians. Whether single or married, our place in life is a calling from God. Therefore, may you seek to serve God to the best of your ability. In order to follow Jesus, you don't have to change your circumstances first. And don't think that changing your circumstances will make it any easier to serve the Lord. The things of this earth are passing, and what we do for the Lord matters most. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, To Marry or Not to Marry. Down in verse 10, he says, Now to the married I command. So here he's dealt with the singles. Now he's coming to the married. To the married I command, and yet not, not I, but the Lord. The wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Gang, I'll tell you right now, this is probably one of the hottest contested uh, portions of Scripture in all of the New Testament. There is no doubt in my mind that probably even sitting here in this small room that there is probably 60% of you that this is either your second or your third marriage if you're married. I understand that. That is the culture that we are in. But that is not the design, that is not the purpose, and that's not the best direction that God has. So what Paul is doing here, he is not, again, condemning those who have gone. He's saying, look, here is the best way. Here's the strong way. This is what God commands. Again, if you depart, if there is a divorce taking place, then either you be reconciled to that other spouse or you remain unmarried. Okay, so there's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of struggle in the midst of that. What happens if in the midst of that being unmarried, 
Uh, what, 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 what happened? What was the reason? What was the cause for the divorce? Where was the individual in their relationship with Christ? Were they born again before that happened or after that happened? Were they walking out in the world, living as the world when they got married and the divorce took place before they even came to Christ? There are so many issues on that. Some people come in and they are just cut and dry, black and white on this whole issue. And I'm sorry, but I'm not that way. I can't be that way. Some get upset because I'm not that way. But I do know this, that the principle of God, the desire of God, the purpose and the plan of God is one man, one woman for life. That is the best. That is the best it can be because there is less luggage that you're carrying. Because with a remarriage, you're carrying more luggage. And the more luggage you carry... Again, just the greater burden it is. You might tell me, yeah, but pastor, man, you don't know who I was married to before. The one that I'm married to now is just absolutely wonderful, and God is blessing this time. And I say, amen, that is great. But you're carrying luggage, aren't you? You're carrying luggage. There's just no way to get around that. He says in verse 12, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and She's willing to live with him. Let him not divorce her. And, and a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if, if he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. The unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Now, let me stop right there. Again, if a brother has a wife who does not believe and she's willing to stay there, or if a woman has a husband who does not believe, Again, in that culture, and I've even seen it today in our culture in some situations, you have two non-believers who are married. One of them becomes a Christian. Well, in the time and in the culture of Corinth, it would appear, we could surmise that at that point in time, in order to be a, a stronger Christian, many were counseling them, hey, leave that lug. He's a pagan. He goes down to the pagan temple all the time. You know what takes place at that pagan temple. You need to leave him in order that you might serve the Lord better, or vice versa. The husband gets saved. The wife is still lost. She's still involved in all the stuff of the world. And again, they're not walking hand in hand anymore. They're not walking side by side anymore. And so that becomes a continual struggle at that point in time. Paul says, listen, if you are living with a non-believer, if they're still desiring to stay there, don't you be the one to pull the plug on that situation. He says, because in the midst of that, there is this covering that takes place on that unbelieving spouse. That sanctification, understand he's not saying that that unbelieving spouse is now redeemed, that unbelieving spouse is now justified. No, but there is a covering that God puts over that home when even just one of the spouses is born again. I believe personally, and Paul doesn't go into it here, but I believe it's the same principle that say, even as parents... And if we're unbelieving household and we don't serve the Lord at all, we're totally involved with the Lord. And my, our, our, our teenage son comes to Christ. 
I believe that there's a covering on that home once that one child. Maybe it's not that teenage child. Maybe it's that little one that we allowed to go to vacation Bible school last year because we thought, hey, what a great way to get rid of the kids for a while. And then those kids come to Christ. I believe that there's suddenly, because of the Holy Spirit of God in those children, that there is a covering that starts taking place on that home. And I believe that's a powerful, powerful thing. We see it with a husband and wife. I believe it could also work through the children. And one of the great importances we have, not only for things like our Sunday school, but also vacation Bible school, our Awanas program, much like Jeff was saying uh, this last weekend, that whole idea of touching the hearts and lives of those between 4 and 14 with the hope of the gospel, getting them saved. And it is amazing how a whole family can be changed because of that. Paul says that, again, verse 14, for the unbelieving husband sanctified by the wife, the unbelieving wife sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Again, it is a spiritual concept. It's a spiritual, I believe, principle that if you have believing parents, that there is a covering over that home, even if the children are in rebellion, even if the children have not come to a saving knowledge of Christ, if there is at least one parent in that home, there is a covering work of the Holy Spirit within that home. And why then should that believing one leave and be pulled away? Because in essence, then you're pulling that whole covering from that home. Look what he says in verse 15. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. And then verse 16. For how do you know, O wife, rather you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, rather you will save your wife? You're married. Your spouse is a non-believer. You are a believer. You get tired of the battle. They're willing to stay with it. You're tired of the battle. Now, please understand, I'm not talking about uh, abuse. I'm not talking about dangerous situations. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. I'm just talking about one's a believer, one's a non-believer. Even within that, there's going to be conflicts within that marriage. Any marriage is going to have conflicts at times, even more so when you've got two individuals pointed two different directions, one for the kingdom of God, one for this world. He says, if that comes up, He says, don't depart as a believer, because who knows, but that again, that witness of your life before that spouse might be the very thing that brings them to Christ. Paul speaks about that elsewhere, women, that again, your chaste behavior, your your attitude towards the things of God, your attitude towards your unbelieving husband, but that might be the very witness that brings that spouse to Christ. That's what he's speaking of here. Verse 17, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. In other words, are you married? He's going to get into this in a moment. Then stay married. You're single? You stay single. You don't, because you become a Christian doesn't mean you have to be married. If you get in a situation where you are married and you come to Christ and the spouse isn't, That's okay. Just stay the way you are. Serve the Lord where and how you are. Was anyone called while circumcised? Then let him not become uncircumcised. I'm not sure how that would even work, but uh, 
He says, was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. In other words, don't throw yourself under the law just because you became a believer. He says, God called you the way that you are. Not called you, hey, I was in the world, so I just stay in the world. Understand, that's not what he's talking about. Don't even try to go there. He says, again, this whole idea of circumcision, that was a deal of the keeping of the law for the Jews. He says, circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. He goes on in verse 20. He says, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Don't be concerned about that. Now, if you can be free, well, yeah, sure, rather use that. For he, or for he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brother, let each one of you remain with God in the state in which he was called. Now, please don't misunderstand or misinterpret what he's saying there. That doesn't mean that you can't better yourself. Well, I was a laborer when I became a believer. When, when I came to Christ, I was just, man, I was just a laborer, and that's all I did. Well, he's not saying that you can't go ahead and better yourself and become something different in your life. What he's trying to help you to understand is you don't have to be something different in your life in order to be a believer. In other words, he said, if you're a slave, you can be a slave as a Christian. You can be a freedman as a Christian. You can be a laborer as a Christian. You can be an executive as a Christian. You can be a poor man as a Christian. You can be a millionaire as a Christian. He says, whatever state that you're in, man, just serve the Lord there. Don't think, well, I'm a millionaire. I have to give all my money away in order to really be a Christian. That's not necessarily the case. He does call you to be a good steward of what you have. I'm a poor man. How can I really be a good Christian and be a poor man? I need to change the state that I'm in. No, he's saying all of these things are surface. All of these things are external. All of these things are temporary. What's important is where your heart is with Christ. You can be a poor believer with a heart that is richer than anyone around you. You can be a millionaire on the outside and yet the most humble and obedient servant of all the people around you. Why? Because you're a believer in Christ and that's just how you live your life. You see, it's not these external things that make us who we are in Christ. It's what's going on on the internal. It's what we allow the Lord to change within our lives. Now, verse 25. Now, my new King James Version and your King James Version say, now concerning virgins. This is dealing with young girls who are engaged. They use the word virgins here, but it's also the word used for those who are engaged. In other words, the consummation of the marriage has not taken place yet. And again, very much like we, we've shown in our earlier passages and other teachings and speaking about the situation of Joseph and Mary, where they were engaged to be married, but they had not come together. The legal binding was there just as much on an engaged couple as it was on a married couple. And so this is what Paul is dealing with here. He's dealing with those who are engaged at this point in time. They haven't come together physically. They're simply 
simply engaged to be married. He says, now concerning virgins, or those fiancés, those women who are betrothed to be married, I have no commandment from the Lord, and yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made me trustworthy. So in other words, he says, you know, God didn't tell me this specifically, but man, as I've read his word, I see the principle of the word and the understanding of the word. This is what I want to encourage you. This is, what I, this is the counsel that I give you here. He says, I suppose, therefore, that it's good because of this present distress that is good for a man to remain as he is. So in other words, it goes back to that idea and, and, and the thought of staying where you're at, whether it be single or married. And let me quickly interject here. The anticipation of that first century church was the Lord was going to come at any moment, at any time. You don't, you don't have time to get married and have children and stuff. You know, just as a single person, you just live your life for the Lord. The interesting thing, again, and I've shared this with you, back in the 70s, man, we, we were so excited about the Lord coming again. Uh, my wife and I, we didn't buy a house. Uh, There's a whole lot of stuff we didn't pursue after because we've just figured the Lord was coming at any moment, at any time. Well, I believe the Lord is coming at any moment, at any time, and this is now 45 years after the fact, okay? But I believe that he's coming at any moment, at any time. Paul, in again, I believe the, 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 the excitement and his desire that the Lord is going to come back any time, he says, look, if you're, if you're engaged, you're not married yet, you can stay single because you can serve the Lord more freely and more completely that way. And again, he's not bringing this as a commandment. He's bringing it as a suggestion. He says in verse 27, are you bound to a wife? See, Paul said the word. It wasn't really me. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? In other words, if you're divorced or she's passed away, he says, don't seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you you haven't sinned. So, so the great latitude that he gives here is, hey, if, if you can remain single, what a great way to serve the Lord. In fact, my encouragement to you tonight is, if you are single, you're not married, get a passport, save some money, and be ready for God to use you here or there because you don't need to worry about anything, right? I mean, you're single, boom. Hey, I'm going to be in Ecuador serving with a Samaritan's Purse uh, next week and, and helping the recovery over there. You can't do that once you're married and you got kids and things. Man, the responsibilities that are there. But Paul says it's not a sin to be married either. But live your life, again, for the glory of God. Live your life with the anticipation that God is going to use me whether I'm single or whether I'm married. But am I ready to be used? Am I prepared to be used? Is my heart in this way that, that I could hear him and I'm willing to go ahead and step out in faith in order that he would use me? He says, if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a virgin, in other words, if a betrothed girl goes ahead and marries, goes through the ceremony, she's not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. He said, <laughs> so again, just as he said earlier, some, some are made for singleness, some are not made for singleness. 
even in marriage. Sometimes, man, you know, again, the difficulties in some marriages. Hey, again, is the husband and wife firing the same direction? Are they going the same way? If you get married to someone that's not going the same way, that's going to be difficult for you to serve the Lord fully and completely. So again, man, there might be trouble in the flesh. I'd spare you of that. Verse 29. But this I say, brother, what? Time is short. Time is short that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Now, don't go off weird on that, okay? You don't live like you're a single guy now that you're married. And hey, Paul said, I can live like I don't have a wife. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, man, your heart and passion still needs to be for the things of God. And your focus still needs to be for the things of God. And yes, you need to be ready to say, honey, we need to pray because I believe that God is telling me for us to quit my job here and move or to take our vacation this year and instead of going to see Yosemite, maybe we'll go to East Texas and work uh, at the flood times and just serve on the mission field for the summer. We've got to be ready. We want to be willing to do that. He says, live as though you have none. That doesn't mean to live like a single guy. That means to, again, live in that way that God is going to allow you to, again, go forward and serve him in a multitude of ways. He says, verse 30, those who weep as those who do not weep, those who rejoice as those who do not rejoice, those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. But Paul, again, is just trying to say, man, don't don't be so consumed by the temporary, uh, observable, physical things of this world that, again, we get so consumed about it. I can't serve the Lord because this is happening over here. I can't be obedient to what God is calling me to be because this is what's going on right here. Beloved, there's going to be trouble everywhere you turn. There's going to be roadblocks in every step of the way. I guarantee you that. My wife and I, this past weekend, this past week, I think, yeah, it's continued on even today. We've gotten no less than, I think, about five either phone calls, emails, or messages of stuff that's going on with people within this body. And we're talking severe, severe attacks of the enemy against people within this body. And we're thinking, man, Lord. And then all of a sudden, we have one ourselves. We get a, our own little physical attack. And we, we kind of reel back and we rock back on our feet or our heels too in the midst of these things. And we, we, we just got to take time to get a, a breath and get back and know, Lord, you've got this. We know that you've got this. Does that stop us? Does that keep us from moving forward in the Lord? Does that slow us down from trusting him? Oh, I I hope not. I hope never that it does. Does that keep us from, again, desiring to see God work in people's lives through the midst of it? You know, too many times people will say, man, it's getting too hard to serve the Lord. Man, I've got this attack and that attack going. And so they back down. You know what happens when you back down? You give the enemy a victory. You give the enemy points. Man, he scored in that one. 
you know what? When the attack of the enemy comes and we keep moving forward, man, we may be moving forward. We may be bleeding on one side. We may be broken and scarred on the other side. But if we keep moving forward, then it's Christ who gets the victory in the midst of that. And it's Christ who strengthens us through all of that. He says, man, are, are you weeping right now? Just, man, keep moving forward like you're not weeping. We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word.